this Multipure podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, listening in on our podcast. We're talking about Earth Day 2022. Joining me on today's podcast, our Director of Marketing, Michelle Priest. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Kenton. And our copywriter, Joel Polina. Hello, Joel. How's it going, Kenton? It's going great. Thank you for joining me. So we're talking about Earth Day as of uh, today, the day we're recording this on April 20th, just a couple days away. So the theme of Earth Day this year is invest in our planet. And I know we've put up a couple of social media posts about this, about uh, our interpretation of investing in our planet. But let's back up just a little bit before we get into it. And uh, Joel, I think you've been reading up a little bit on, on Earth Day. Can you give us a little background? <laughs> Sure, sure. Now, uh, Earth Day, it uh, it occurs every year on April 22nd, and it actually started uh, a little over 50 years ago in 1970. And uh, it's actually considered the the official start of the modern environmental movement. So in 1970, there was a, well, actually, it technically kind of started a year before that, because in 1969, there was a huge oil spill in Santa Barbara, the environment was just kind of starting to really gain more national attention. So there was this Wisconsin senator, uh, Gaylord Nelson. He noticed uh, the oil spill and he, and he was like, you know, we've got to do a little bit more to promote environmental concerns. And then at the same time, there were all the anti-war protests through the Vietnam War. So he kind of said, OK, students have all this energy and they're so passionate about what they believe in. So what if we kind of harness that? and direct it towards environmental concerns. So uh, based on this, he, he recruited another congressman, uh, Congressman Pete McCloskey, and he, and he recruited a, uh, a Harvard grad student, Dennis Hayes, who was actually a, a student activist at the time. And he, he basically approached both of them and said, hey, let's, uh, let's start doing something to raise environmental concerns. And let's start really pushing this and let's harness all the energy and all the all the passion that that students generate and have them kind of be the driving force behind this. And so they 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 did. They started spreading word, spreading awareness, kind of spreading word through both government and, and local and national government, through colleges, through uh, uh, campuses everywhere to promote environmental concerns. And because of this, through their efforts, they got April 22nd of every year, starting with 1970, be recognized as Earth Day. And while it did start off as a U.S. day at this point now, it's it's global. It's a global thing. It started in 1990 where Earth Day was recognized as a global day where people take notice and raise awareness and work towards improving the environment and recognizing concerns and figuring out what they could do on the individual and on the community and on the national level to improve and preserve the earth wow that's great information joel yeah good little uh, good little history lesson there joel wow, that was really good I, I just i, I just like I mean, those three people that just started this all yeah it sounded so simple and it just took off i thought it was interesting when i was reading an article about it because i guess because maybe the the time when it was developed i was still a child you know i so i wasn't maybe as aware as many were but this all happened before the EPA, the Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act. It was it was the precursor to all of this. It kind of started the ball rolling. And I guess in that same year, December, the, the Environmental Protection Agency was developed, again, from this group of three people who started talking it up. So I think that's pretty exciting that an individual can make a difference. 
1970 was a big year for the environment, not only the first Earth Day, but as you said, the birth of the Environmental Protection Agency, which was kind of trying to bring together a bunch of disparate state rules and regulations regarding pollution and environmental regulation. But then, of course, just a few days after the EPA is uh, is organized, uh, Multipure started up also in December 1970. So 1970 was a great year for the environment. Uh, that's that's when we got our start. So, uh, you know, I guess if you if you look at it, it should come as no surprise because, you know, the, the culmination of, of kind of post-war industrial complex in the United States and probably all over the world too, where we're just building things, we're, we're driving gigantic cars that are getting eight miles to the gallon that weigh three tons each and we're building all sorts of cool stuff and you know plastics are just becoming a thing and then the Cuyahoga River catches on fire in Ohio I think that was in 1969 so it really should come as no surprise that the the pendulum swung so far out in the direction of we don't give a crap about the environment (laughs) where something had to happen and somebody had to do something. And, you know, I guess that the first salvo was, uh, was Earth Day, uh, 1970. So. I just love that it shows how, if you get, uh, enough people like sufficiently motivated and really kind of uh, passionate about something. And then they kind of build on that momentum because it seems like it that's that's what happened is they had a few people that recognized the problem they saw that are uh, more people than, than they realized were also thinking about the problem and they kind of rolled it over and just kept building and building and building and what what do you have you have the creation of earth day you have the creation of the environmental protection agency you have the creation of uh national environmental education act the occupational safety and health OSHA was created as a result of this, the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, the Endangered Species Act. They just kept harnessing and building on this momentum and just kind of getting as much done as they could because I don't know if they knew if it would if it would last forever or if they just wanted to strike while the iron's hot, but they really, they really took advantage of, of this, this movement at, at, at its inception. And I, I, I love that. I think it was, uh, you know, the, the the proverbial dam broke on all of these this kind of pent up concern. You know, people just taking a look around at, at the air, the water, the land, uh, how we're using resources, and uh, yeah, like you said, all this just boom, boom, boom. All all these things started happening. Think about back then, like uh, you know, smog was was probably one of the biggest things back. That, like, remember when? I mean, I, I don't know how much of a thing it is now, but I remember back in the 80s, at least, anytime people thought about L.A., you thought you couldn't even see the air because of the smog. It just like a, a couldn't see the city. Couldn't see the buildings. Yeah. 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 And, and it's kind and, of true because I grew up in L.A. We actually, as children, had smog days where it was so bad <laughs> because of where we lived is kind of like in a, in a valley. Actually, it's called the valley. You know, you couldn't go outside and play. It was actually a thing where you can't, we couldn't play because the smog was so bad. And I remember acid rain. I think in the eighties was a was a thing that that I, I don't know if that was a reasonable worry, but I know growing up as a kid in the eighties, I always felt like acid rain was one of those things that could just happen. Yeah, it was this existential threat that uh, <laughs> was gonna. Yeah, we're we were gonna melt. Our faces were gonna melt off in the rain. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah, and then all because you know everyone was starting to realize, hey, pollution is really getting out of hand here. What did happen to acid rain? I don't know. What, why why aren't we talking about that anymore? I don't know. Is that still a thing? I don't know. 
So let's uh, okay. So let's let's kind of bring this forward to uh, to modern times here. You know, here we are, fifty-two years later, fifty-one, fifty-two years later. Earth Day still as prescient, if not more relevant today than it was back then. I mean, our our air is certainly cleaner, or it appears to be cleaner. It looks to be cleaner. Things are a lot cleaner. Where I grew up in Denver. It was the same thing as L.A. It was this brown cloud hanging over the city of Denver, partially because of geography and and climate. But, yeah, it, it was it was awful. And so I don't know if, if things are that bad anymore, at least here. I know, you know, in some parts of, of Asia, you know, it, it's certainly air quality and pollution is still a major concern. But we seem to have kind of done better with with different gasoline formulations and how we burn fossil fuels and catalytic converters and all those wonderful things. So I guess that's a little bit better. But I mean, with the we're, we still seem to be in a state of crisis when it comes to the environment. It's just new things that we're discovering, right? Like uh, like microplastics and like forever chemicals, things that we're, we're just now beginning to learn about over the past five or 10 years and are suddenly significant causes for concern. Yeah, it changed from things you could see in the air, like you could actually see, to now things that you totally can't see. You know, microplastics yeah. in your blood, so small that you can't, they, they're just being able to identify it. So I guess it's time for us to start, as individuals too, making a change in the world. You know, maybe every day, personally making a difference by doing something, like not using plastics or, you know, making a change that way. And, and even aside from uh, man-made uh, contributions to to environmental concerns like microplastics and, and PFOAs, the thing things like uh like climate in general, like like didn't didn't they just announce that we're in a drought effect through all of Nevada, where where uh, uh they they put a, a a blanket hold on any any uh, lawns outside of I think uh, parks and schools, and uh, they want people to stop watering lawns or or, or they're going to offer rebates if you if you remove your lawns or any grass for residential areas. And then, and then the you know you know water levels are dropping, and then every summer things get hotter. And around the country, what do you start hearing about? Uh, algae, al- what is it? Al- algal blooms, yeah. uh, like blue green algae or, or cyanobacteria or wherever you want to mention it. But uh, that always yeah. seems to crop up every every year, right when it gets summer, in in places where there are a lot of lakes and reservoirs, and that's almost always attributed to hotter temperatures or, or warmer climates or unseasonably warm temperatures or, or whatever terms you want to use. And that's all tied to environmental pollution, all sorts of concerns that are all tied to Earth Day and what what it's trying to do to, to raise awareness. Yeah. So here in Southern Nevada, talking about water and the condition of water and the condition of our lake, obviously it's going down. Another dry year in the in the Western Rockies is going to lead to even lower levels at our lake, Lake Powell, uh, just upstream from us in Arizona. They're implementing restrictions. I mean, they're they're concerned about power generation now. That the the, the uh, there is going to be a problem with the if that lake gets any lower. I think you mentioned Joel something about our our water restrictions. Yeah, we we've recently passed a law. I believe it goes into effect in 2026. Here in Southern Nevada, we're not going to be allowed to have decorative uh, lawns anymore, which kind of makes sense. I mean, it's a desert. The lawn doesn't really belong here, especially just for decorative purposes. So smarter use of, the, of those resources, I think, is is kind of an ongoing message that we could talk about 
we could have talked about five years ago. We could have talked about it 10 years ago, and we probably will continue to be talking about it. How can we better use our resources so that they will last longer, but also so that we're not causing long-term harm in how we're using those resources? And I think that's going to be a, a continual discussion that we're going to have. Talking about the theme for 2022 when they say invest in our planet, yeah. it's uh, it seems to be less less about identification or, or awareness and more about action like what can people do to help the planet moving forward and and uh, on their on their site they they list a few things uh they say what like act boldly innovate broadly and implement equitably which is kind of i don't know a little jargonish but i think uh, but it seems to me what they're saying is that everyone has to to, to be in on this to help like businesses individuals governments how everyone needs to to become partners and be on the same page when it comes to to improving the planet. I like the way you put that, Joel. That this is moving more towards uh, action instead of just awareness, and I think that's great. And I think invest in our planet is a great way of putting that. What can you do today to invest in the planet? And I think I think that's a I think that's a good call to action by the organizers of of, of Earth Day. How can we invest in the planet using Multipure? To you listening to this podcast, think about it. How can you invest in the planet using Multipure? I'm going to put my co-hosts on the spot. Can you guys think of anything that you could do to invest in the planet? Well, I mean, just having a Multipure system alone is already investing in the reduction of, of plastic waste. Just, uh, you know, you, you cut out one pallet of, uh, of bottled water, and that's how many gallons of oil that you're and, – and how many – you know, how much volume of plastic waste you're eliminating from the problem just using a multi-peer system itself. That That's a good first step is just when you use a multi-peer system, you're investing in a better, in a cleaner environment and less reliance on oil. I know at home we've um, made a big move to not receive uh, bills via mail. It's been a huge thing. It, it was a huge transition because it's nice to get a bill in the mail because then you know you have to pay it versus having to, you know, to remember to pay it or set up the bill pay. But, you know, we do our expenses and my mother's and my father-in-law's. So that was a lot of mail coming in that, you know, you have to shred and it's a lot of paper wasted. So we started doing that. We use reusable coffee mugs when we go and pay the exorbitant prices for our coffee at the place we shall not mention. And so we've been trying to do, you know, stuff like that. You know, in addition to what Joel's saying, you know, we don't use plastics anymore. So... I think just, but just those little things that you do on a daily basis can make a huge difference. You know, not using paper plates, not using throwaway plastic forks, you know, making Speaking it, just making a conscious effort, little, little things. With with paper waste, I mean, uh, for, for multi-year builders, I think in, in particular, you could go do stuff like direct deposit as opposed to physical checks, You're relying on online orders instead of physical forms. It's just little things just reducing the paper usage it can have an effect i mean it might not seem like a lot on on a case-by-case basis but it does build up and enough people start doing this and, and over a lot of period of time that does cut out quite a bit of paper waste there yeah i know that i know kenton's been real involved in it in the olden days you know beforehand we used to pack our drinking water six box drinking water boxes with paper so that the unit wouldn't roll around in there. And I know that Kenton's worked with the team to design boxes that you don't have to do that, that the, that the units fit in without flipping all over the place. And they stopped using uh, peanuts and, and different types of things to make it more 
environmentally friendly. We have to ship, but let's make it as clean as possible. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, we've admittedly, we've got a lot of, we, we've still got work to do with that, but we're, we're definitely taking steps in the right direction. You can't get around having some kind of packaging. You know, the alternative is some kind of permanent thing, but then somebody would have to send something back and then that requires energy to send it back or I, it, it's, it's, it's a complicated issue, but yeah, looking at packaging and, and how we use packaging. I mean, I don't know about your household, but my household, we, we get, bo- we get boxes uh, relatively frequently from, uh, from the other gigantic corporation that shall remain unnamed. <laughs> uh, come to your door and drop them off those people. <laughs> yeah. Those people, those nice people where you can get pretty much anything, but you know, we, we're, it, we're trained now that, you know, every box gets cut up and gets put in the recycle bin. And I think it's just little actions like that. It doesn't take away from the fact that, yes, it required energy to produce the, that cardboard, but, you know, sustainably sourced uh, paper products are, are actually a, a very renewable resource. And so uh, if, if done correctly, if done intelligently, and what was the wording there, Joel, about taking steps? Uh, but uh, when it comes to... Yeah, just just figuring out the source of our raw materials. I think that's an investment in our environment. And we at Multipure are going to continue to do that, looking for new materials uh, that are, especially in our packaging, you know, in the drinking water system itself. I think we've darn near got it about as good as we're going to be able to get it from an environmental perspective. And that stainless steel housing is not going in. It's going to last forever. So it's that's that right there is a reduction of waste. If something you don't have to constantly replace. The cartridge itself, we have minimized as much as possible the amount of plastic used in that. But you know, but by and large, you know, I don't know by weight, it's got to be 90% of that is is carbon. Again, another highly renewable resource, especially coconut shell carbon. And so um, by using the system and by using it instead of bottled water we are investing in the environment and uh, you can help those of you listening to this podcast you can help other people invest in the environment by investing in a multi-peer and isn't well, the thing is 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 just using it you're kind of when you share it you use it you let people try it out it's kind of in a way indirectly raising awareness of a way to help the environment or, or be more responsible at least when it comes to clean drinking water yeah Definitely true. And, you know, I think you can also make a difference by setting a good example. You don't have to be that preachy person that says, oh, my gosh, you can't believe you're using plastic bottles. But like Joel and I were talking on different podcasts, how his kids use reusable stainless steel bottles and they take it to school and and that type of thing. You know, it sets a good example. They take it to their sporting events. Kenton's drinking from right now. You know, it's just... It's smart. It's smarter. It's such a good example. Unless people start thinking. Yeah, my my daughter loves her uh, her stainless steel Hello Kitty bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she likes drinking out anything else. But hey, it's it's. I keep that thing full of ice water all the time. And and before school, after school, in the middle of the night, goes and and gets a swig of water from there. Joel, that's a parenting win. It go. is a huge <laughs> win, right? Not getting up to get them water. But again, by <laughs> like teaching the younger generation to be responsible, you know, Joel's already teaching his kids to use reusable containers and the best water on the planet instead of using plastic. So that makes a big difference in that next generation versus my generation. Let's say we're not we're not as aware when we were younger, but this next generation can be. Yeah, it's been a, a steep learning curve for us. 
uh, we're all pretty much the same generation of, uh, you know, th- things are a lot different than they, than they were when we were, when we were kids. You know, it's funny seeing my kids make their decisions with the, you know, cause they're, you know, they're grown up, you know, a lot like yours, Michelle, where they're now out, you know, starting their families and, and buying things, consumer products and going out to restaurants and eating and, and stuff like that. And it's funny how they've all kind of taken, you know, they, they've all shown a little bit of personality in, in some of their choices. You know, I've got some that are really environmentally focused and I, like my daughter, she does not go anywhere without her reusable grocery bag. She has them just strewn about in the back of her car, uh, but she refuses to use plastic bags and she doesn't, uh, she she doesn't get food in single-use containers at all anymore. Whereas some of the other kids are not quite <laughs> as strict. <laughs> I think she even brushes her teeth with like a bamboo uh, toothbrush because she didn't want to have a plastic toothbrush. <laughs> but, you know, hey, uh, she's yeah, hey. she's investing in the environment. Um, but every every little step that they make, even if they're not all perfect and and walking the straight and narrow when it comes to the lowest possible environmental impact. I think every little choice, every little improvement is an incremental step in the right direction. If all of us did 1% better, can you imagine what a huge difference that would make, right? Yeah, huge. Move that curve over just a little, so. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said before, just uh, with with my kids, I know I've mentioned um, all the time on all these podcasts, my kids and they're and their water and their reusable bottles, but you know they're doing their part. I'm doing my part. It's just even even things like uh, like like plastic straws we don't really use. We use reusable straws at home now. You know that might seem a little thing. That's also reducing plastic waste. It's just there are always little things. I think you could just if you just look around your household and look at your daily habits, there are little tweaks and little things you could do. Then even that is just that's helping. That's and I think Earth Day is a perfect day to kind of assess kind of your, your own household's impact on, on the environment. We can do this, right? Yeah, we can. You know, and I think the message should be one of positivity, not of necessarily dire, the world is going to end. Um, you know, I, th- I think that we need to keep the right attitude with this, that, that we can make an impact, that, that it's not too late. Um, to to take steps in the right direction. It's not too late to to make smarter choices. That it's not too late uh, to invest in our planet and and our futures and our and our children's futures. You know, it's like uh, it's like when you're retirement planning, right? They say it's never too late to to start your retirement plan. It's never too late to start uh, investing in the environment. And I, I think that that's one of the takeaways that we should have on this is that everybody can do something. Everybody can at least make small steps, and it's never too late to get started in the right direction. I agree. And getting a multi-peer system is a great start and gets you in the right direction, right? That's right. And it's easier now than ever to order your multi-peer system on our brand spanking new website where it's super easy to order, save your, uh, your, your personal payment details and make reordering easy, get into the automatic filter program, super easy. Um, payments now are way easier. So uh, it's a lot easier to make that decision, right, Michelle? It is. And the nice part is, I mean, this is, I think, why a lot of us use that other big conglomerate to to buy stuff is because you can do it whenever you want. At nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, you don't have to worry for the company to be open. So you could call somebody and process the order. You could do it 
very conveniently on that new multi-peer website, multipeer.com. So they should all check it out. Yeah, that's great. You could be going to bed. It could be like 11 at night and you'd be like, hey, wasn't I thinking about uh, uh, getting a, getting more water? And you're like, boom, pull it up on your phone, place your order. Don't even have to worry about it. Right. Joel said stainless steel bottles, multi-peers got them. Boom, on that website again. You got <laughs> it. Oftentimes shipped the same day. Oftentimes, correct. All right, folks. Well, I think uh, I think we've said all that we can right now about uh, Earth Day 2022. Uh, the theme of Earth Day this year, invest in our planet. Uh, we encourage you to go out there, even if they're small investments. They add up over time, just like your savings account, right? So go out there, take a few steps to invest. And you don't have to wait until April 22nd to you know, to celebrate Earth Day. You you can celebrate Earth Day every day, uh, every day that you make these smart decisions about uh, about using our resources more intelligently. It's a good day. It, it can be Earth Day. So, and if Multipure plays a part in that, if using a Multipure instead of bottled water is part of that, then even better. And, and we encourage you to do that and encourage you to make those, uh, continue to make those right choices. So, uh, any final thoughts, Michelle? No, I just hope that people can share this positive message and everyone just tries to do maybe one thing a day that's moving us in that right direction. Every little Joel. bit helps. That's that's I'm going to say every little bit helps, even if it's like uh, if you're at the park and you pick up some trash that's floating around and putting in the garbage, putting something in recycling, just any little bit you could do makes a difference. You might not think so, but it, it all builds up. Yeah, and maybe you'll maybe you'll be an inspiration to others. Maybe somebody will see you making those good choices, and they'll uh, you know they'll want to mimic those or, or they'll be inspired by those. So, and especially your kids or your grandkids, you know they they will they will want to do that as well. So, okay, well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast, talking about Earth Day 2022 coming up on April 22nd, as it is every year. Thank you so much for joining us on this Multipure podcast. Remember, check us out. Uh, of course, our brand spanking new website, multipure.com. You can also check us out on various social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We've got videos on YouTube. We've got more podcasts on SoundCloud and iTunes. And uh, we're easy to find. So so definitely check us out, share, and uh, and let us know what you think. Anyway. Thank you for uh, joining us on this podcast. We will be back later. And remember, Multipure is for life, for you.